0: This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. God wants you to know that He wants you to win. He wants you to win in your marriage. He wants you to win in your family. He wants you to win in your finances. He wants you to win in your physical body. You know, years ago I asked the Lord, you know, because you hear all different types of uh, definitions of success, and he said, true success is a person going after me and being the best them they can be. That if every person, if we are going after God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we're going to discover more about God, but we're going to discover more about ourselves and if we discover more about God, we discover more about his word and more about his calling and more about his presence and more about his word and, and more about why he's wired us the way that he's wired us and why he's gifted us the way that he's gifted us. And if you locate your passions and desires and your purpose and the vision that God has for your life and you're operating in your strengths and operating in the areas that God has graced you with, then you will be a success, success being you knowing God and being the best you that you can be. Success is not a, a grade or a dollar amount or a house or a car. Success is you being who God has called and created you to be. So, are you in the process of knowing God, and are you in the process of being the best you you can be? At uh, the first year, we had a, a TV um, network, a new network, get a hold of us and. They're, they're, having, uh, they're just putting out new channels, and they asked me if I would have a show on, on their network, and that's Israel TV, network, uh, dot TV and as of right now, we're close to 60 countries twice a day, our show is. Yeah, that's really uh, just the favor of the Lord, and, um, and that's the name of the show is Being Your Best with Trey Johnson, because in everything that I do, I'm asking is this helping people know God. And Is it helping them be the best them that they can be? Whether we're communicating, whether we're leading, whether we're roping, is this helping people know God and be the best them they can be? And so I, I want to encourage you to follow us, be a part of what God's doing through that show, and um, also just in case I forget at the end, you know we have product at the back table. You there, you can go to the uh, website Trey Johnson Ministries if you want to get our daily emails, daily devotionals. If you want to get um, you know, teaching letters and stuff in the mail. There's videos on there. There's a Trey Johnson Ministries app. You can download on your phone, and you can have all that type of stuff. Just tools to help us know God and be the best us we can be. Amen. Um, but God wants you to win. God wants you to win. We just got back from Australia. Um, I don't know, a month or so ago. We was over there for two weeks, and um, it was just phenomenal. Uh, what God is doing in that country? Less than five percent of the country are Christians. In October went over for the first time, and went back over um, in February. And we did ten. 10 it was over there ten days. I did ten services, and um, it was great. When we got into um, the place where we was doing, they called the big event where all the ropers from all over Australia come to this one location. They give cars. They give all kinds of stuff, and. And I flew over there, and I was going to rope in the open-roping. Um, but then they, I talked to them, and they'd asked me to flag the lower-numbered ropings, but I could have two services a day. And and so whenever I got there, um, they had a little room that held about 40 people um, about 100 yards from the Coliseum. And so I, I told the guy, I said, just because this is such a new concept to people over here, I think we might lose some people, you know, if we bring them over here to this room. Can I just do it in the Coliseum? He says, you bet. And he ended up giving me the house sound, so no matter where they was at, they couldn't get away from me. You know, from, from the toilet to their horse stalls. I mean, they, they had to listen to the word. And, and, but it was phenomenal of how, when we started out I'd start out the first thing in the morning doing a service, and then we'd rope, and I'd flag, and then we'd have a service in the middle of the afternoon, and then we'd go back and rope some more. Um, and we only had to, to deal with a couple of people that were just influenced by the devil that just really hated what we were doing. Uh, but it was just phenomenal seeing people from one end of the Colosseum to the next end of the Colosseum accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior and you know I I would get done preaching and go right to my horse to start flagging and there'd be people waiting on me at the horse just pouring their heart out of just saying we've never heard anything like this before and um, it it really is phenomenal there got to spend an afternoon with different leaders and stuff developing them and, and getting a plan together how to follow up with these people. Um, and so y'all be praying for what God's doing in Australia, we plan to go back um, another time this year, and and spend more time with leaders, and do outreaches, we'll go back to the towns that we have reached so far, and then we'll go into new territories, Um, just because it is, it's just phenomenal, you talk about confusion, I was flying out of Sydney, and uh, I guess it's one of the, Capital for the gay and lesbians, and and if and if you're one of those, we love you. We're glad you're here, and God's a delivering God, and we want to help you walk through that. But just thinking about confusion, it was a the the gay and lesbian um, festival, and then they were dressing drag. So talk about see some interesting creatures. They women that wanted to be men, but then they were dressing back like women, and men that wanted to be women that were dressing back like men. It was just very odd. I was in the airport just like, okay, how does that, how does that work? Uh, and and, and I, t- I know, I see some of you going, I, I don't get that either. <laughs> but, and I tell you that is just because the work that God is doing over there is just phenomenal. How we take church for granted. You know, we take the presence of God for granted. We take worship for granted. And it's, it's foreign to them over there But the cool thing is, is because of our relationship, your relationship with me, my relationship with you, as partners in ministry, even though you might not be there with us physically, you're there with us spiritually, and every person that's healed, saved, set free, delivered, you're a part of that. And so, from our heart to yours, thank you. Thank you for being a part of what God's doing over there. Now, when we go into different churches, I've been in the ministry 19 years now, and I pastored for nine years, I've traveled the other time, and so when I go into churches, you know, my radars are up. I, I'm watching and seeing what's, what, what's working, what's not working. There you are, Gilbert. Would y'all give Gilbert a hand clap? Man, thank you so much. Man, I appreciate your heart. Thank you. Thank you for being a worshiper. Uh, and, uh, and, and so I, I look at what's happening in this church and, and some of the key, key ingredients of what welcomes the presence of God is a family that has a heart of worship. This family has a heart of worship. Uh, another key ingredient is how they treat men and women of God. That if we know we go into a place and they don't care whether we're there or not, or, or, and, and it's not about the man or woman of God, it's about the people, but their attitude towards a man and woman of God, the way they see God's kingdom and the structure determines how much they receive from that gift that God has sent to them. Like Pastor Jackie was saying, the ability to pull on that anointing um, is so, so important, and and y'all have that. And so I I want to encourage y'all to keep it up. Please keep it up. Um, Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to get started, and we're going to go to about 11.45-ish, and then I want to encourage you to please stick around. We're going to take about a 15-minute break, and we'll start back with another session at 12.00. Um, but all this is going to work together, knowing that God wants us to win. Say, God wants me to win. Me to win. And so we're going to talk along uh, the armor of God, and, and I'm asking you to expect to, um, that God's perfect will is done this morning, because I've got a lot in me, and, and I want to get out exactly what He wants us to have this morning. Amen? Amen. So verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We're going to read through down verse 18. Verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith which is the word of God, hang on a sec, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now verse 10, it says, finally my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of this might. Now when Paul starts this statement right here with the word finally, the word finally there paints a picture that of utmost importance. That if you haven't got anything up to this point, I want you to get a hold of what I'm saying right now. Now think about what he's talked about to the church at Ephesus. Now the church at Ephesus, they were the powerhouse of the day. They had the most training. Paul himself had started the church. He had lived there for three years. He had taught on a daily basis, trained missionaries, trained people in ministry. He had poured his life into that church. This church was a very um, knowledgeable church of the things of God. So in in Ephesians, he talks about you and I uh, being in Christ Jesus. He talks about grace. He talks about the structure of the home. He talks about the relationship between the husband and wife. He talks about the relationship between employer and employee. He talks about the fivefold offices of ministry. He talks about a lot of important things when it comes to this church, but he says that's very good and it's very important that you know all of that stuff. But finally... If you haven't got any of that, or if that isn't revelation, it's very important that you get this. He says, finally, my brethren. My brethren in the Greek comes from a word that paints the picture of two twins coming out of the same womb. So when Paul is writing this, he is identifying with the church at Ephesus, saying we are like twins. We are identifying the same way that I deal with finances and family and physical things and situations I know that you you have to face the same things also during this time when they wrote this in the greek writing Alexander the great was the warrior of the day he by the time of 18 he had taken over empires by the time of 30 he was the most well known warrior in all the world and Command, commanding officers would watch certain, watch for certain characteristics and certain traits in battle when they were on the battlefield, and they would notice these special men that thought different, they acted different, they talked different, they walked different, they, they thought when, they believed when, they, everything about them. When they stepped on the battlefield, they, they did not take no for an answer. They were going to possess that land that they were sent to, and they would have these banquets, and they would pull them up on the stage, and, and it was the highest Um, reward for a warrior to be identified with Alexander the Great. So they'd have these banquets, and they'd pull these warriors up on stage with Alexander the Great, and he would put his arm around them, and he would say, this is my brethren. The way that I think when, I believe when, I talk when, I kick tail and take names, we're cut from the same cloth. So Paul is encouraging us as the church that we're up on stage. And the Holy Spirit is wrapping his arm around you and I. And he's saying, the same way I think when you think when. The same way I believe when you believe when. The same way I talk when you talk when. You have what it takes. We are cut from the same cloth. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong. Now, whenever he's saying this, he's not just suggesting. Whenever he writes this in the Greek, it is the strongest authoritative voice that can be wrote with that, listen, this is not a suggestion. This isn't something, if you get around to it, he is speaking from a commanding officer. He is speaking from an assignment and he says, church, be strong, be strong. This word strong in the, in the Greek is dunamo. It's where we get our word dunamis and, and our word dynamite. It, it, it expresses explosive power. Dynamic in its working. And he is saying be strong. This word paints a picture that it's a power that is referred to the same power that raised Christ from the dead, wants to fill a container. This word in the Greek always paints a picture that it's looking for a place to demonstrate. It's looking for a place to flow out to and through. It's, It's looking for something to come in and release, and that container is you and that container is me. He says, Church, if you haven't got anything else, finally, finally, the last thing, the most important thing, my brethren, see yourself that you're cut from a different cloth, that you think when, you believe when, you talk when, you see when, you walk when. He says, How do you get to this point? He says, By being strong, by being that container that God's power can flow into, do a work in, and flow through. Where does this come from? He says, in the Lord. What does that look like to be in the Lord? Well, we know we come out of the kingdom of darkness and we come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It, you know, 300 plus times throughout the the epistles, it talks about in Him, in whom, in Christ. in, In Christ, that's where we belong. We are in Christ when we're in the Lord and we're drawing strength. We're in the Word, we're in His presence, we're in worship, we are in right relationships, we are strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Now when he uses the word strong and he uses the word power... This word power, it refers to the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It's the same power. It refers to the arm and the hand of God. The might comes from a Greek word, eskousios, which paints a picture of strength, like a big muscle man, like the biggest bodybuilder. It's, it's a power that is referred only to God, and God is the only one that can release it. And Paul is saying, church, we've got to get a hold of this. God wants us to be strong, be that container in the Lord and in the power of his might, His might coming to us and through us to change the world around us. The same arm and the same hand that flung galaxies into being, the same arm and the same hand that parted the Red Sea and and set God's people free and released the water, the same arm and the same hand that put everything on hold so these seed, the Son of God, could be born by a virgin. The same arm and the same hand that reached down into the pit of hell and death could not hold Jesus back and raised him from the the dead. And he says, it's this same arm and this same hand that's in you. He says, be strong, be strong, be strong. In other words, he's saying, church, we've got to see ourselves differently than the way we've seen ourselves. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, this morning when I was looking at this and... You know, you look at the strength. Whenever we come in to the family of God, remember how fresh things were, and and the, the day you received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and the, and the lights came on, and, and it look, how many of you have been snorkeling before? You ever been snorkeling before? You just even just had on the little glass and you just stuck your head underwater. You ever done that before? It's a total different world, and that's the way it was when you come into the the family of God. You. That heaviness was lifted, and you, you received your prayer language. You're like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is just a new a new world, right?" When I lived in uh, Colorado, I did some fly fishing and and different things, and um, and I. I I would enjoy the different rivers because some of them would start out small and and those rivers, if you begin to watch them, and I did some studying on rivers and they would have a a current here and then it would go to this angle here and this current here would pull it over to this direction and it would connect with a different current and then it would pull it to this current and this strong current and this strong flow, it would remove rocks, it would remove um, ground, it would remove dirt and the stronger it got and the stronger the flow, was the more it widened and the more it widened the deeper it got and the more powerful it got Whenever he's saying be strong, it's not just a one-time experience. It is a continual flow from his current to us going from inside us. He doesn't want us to stop there. He wants my current to connect to your current, and your current to connect to your current, and your current connecting to your current. Why? To get stronger, to get deeper, to get wider, to make a greater difference on the earth. He says be strong, be strong. Be strong, not just one time, be strong daily. Be strong, be strong, a strong current that's strong. That current gets so strong that it moves rocks underneath that river. That current is so strong, it pushes things out of the way that don't need to be here. He says, when you're strong in the Lord, then this power is continually operating in your life. And it's going to take you from where you were, and the current's supposed to get stronger from here to there, and from there to there, and from this relationship to that relationship. Church, you need to know that there is a strong current in this house designed to remove stuff that are not supposed to be here. Now, I want to pause here. Because this is, this is more of an encouragement, this is more of a warning, this is more of an insight. So if this is you, just look straight ahead and nobody knows it, it's you. <laughs> but also this morning I had a, had a sense just to caution uh, about spiritual pride. And, and what does spiritual pride look like? Spiritual pride looks like... Let's say, like a businessman who does really good in business that thinks that he would run this church differently. He thinks that if he was in charge, things would be different. And you need to know they would be different because you're not assigned to do this. Now, this is specific for this house this morning. Or this is a a person that has a lot of knowledge about the Bible. And they begin to remember the times that God has spoken to them. And they begin to think that if God has spoken to them, then pastor must not be hearing. And they start trying to influence their will or their desires towards leadership here. And I want to caution you that it's very dangerous. Or let's say you have a gift. You're, you, maybe you, you, you operate in different gifts. Now, once again, Pastor Jackie had no idea that I was going to say this. I didn't have any idea I was going to say this until early this morning. But I'm saying this because we all got excited when we heard God wants us to win. Well, these things right here, I've seen it cause people to lose. Because we get, Paul says, knowledge in itself will just puff you right up. Like popcorn. You know, you stick a kernel of popcorn in the in the microwave and you can eat a bunch of popcorn, but there's no substance to it. I mean, you're hungry just a little bit, right? Pop, 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 pop. Well, I know that. Pop, pop. I've heard that. Pop, pop. I got that in prayer. Pop, pop. There's no substance. But knowledge will cause a person to think that they are something that they're really not. And when it comes down to the battle of life, you will get your tail kicked. Go with me to Psalms 91. Now, uh, I'm, I'm wanting to be very cautious and, and to go slow here because I, I care about you. I love you. I believe in you. I want the best for you. And did you sense how heavy heavy it got there just very quickly? Everybody, everybody do this, smile. Because sometimes we need to laugh so we don't cry, right? Or sometimes we need to laugh just to kind of open up our heart. Um, Psalms 91, verse 1, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of of the Almighty. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Every one of us want to claim that scripture, that we want to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Well, if there's a shadow in And if somebody moved this way, in order for me to stay in their shadow, I would have to stay right in step with them. And then if they moved this way, I would have to move with them to stay in the shadow. And if they sped up, I'd have to speed up in order to stay in the shadow. Or I'd have to to slow down if they slowed down in order to be in the shadow. Jesus tells us the spirit of truth is here to lead and guide us into all truth. And remember, he wants you to win. So that's what he has on his mind for you. And the spirit of truth leads and guides us into all truth. And the truth is, if I want to claim Psalms 91, then I've got to be under the shadow. In other words, be in step with the way that God does things. And once again, I'm still talking about spiritual pride. Go with me to Numbers. And when I knew the Lord wanted me to touch on this, this is one of those things, and I'm sure you're maybe a little more holy than I am. Or I was like, Lord, really? I don't wanna. <laughs> you're the little kids, I don't wanna, I don't wanna. Sometimes if you ever had that conversation, Jesus, I, I don't wanna. <laughs> but I love you too much. To not share with you what's on the heart of the Lord. And he is such a good dad. He's such a good father. He's such a good protector and provider. And you know a lot of times he will, all the time, he will show us things ahead of time. So we can get things right in our heart. And we can stay and step under the shadow of the Almighty. Because he has winning on his mind for you. Numbers chapter 12. Now remember, I want you to connect this with the currents of that river a current connected to the right current brings more strength and it gets deeper and it gets wider to accomplish more numbers chapter 12 verse 1 then miriam and aaron spoke against moses because the ethiopian woman whom he had married for he had married an ethiopian woman so they said has the lord indeed spoken only through moses has he not spoken through us also and and the lord heard it say the lord heard it Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. You know what's funny about that? And Moses is the one that wrote that. (laughs) And he said Moses was very humble. (laughs) More than all the men who were on the face of the earth. (laughs) See how God's perspective of humility is a little different than what we have been taught. But true humility is saying about yourself what God says about yourself. That's true humility. So when you say you are victorious, that's being humble. When you say you are healed, that's being humble. When you say you are blessed, that's being humble. When you say you're an overcomer, that's being humble. And Moses was very humble more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. Verse 4, And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle. Now I got to laughing this morning thinking about that. I was like, Lord, did you do that because they were going to try to exit the door? Because he he didn't come down in the middle. He came down in the door. (laughs) Lord's pretty funny. He didn't want them bolting. So the Lord came down in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. Then he said, Hear now my words, if there is a prophet among you. I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision, and I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house, and I speak with him face to face even plainly, and not in dark sayings, and he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So Aaron and Miriam were brother and sister to Moses, and Aaron stood in the office of prophet, and Miriam was a prophetess, and there were times that God showed them things in visions and dreams, and they would declare what God said, and so when they didn't like something Moses, God's chosen, their leader did, they felt like they had the right to say something, now this is an American mindset, right. that we feel like we have a right, notice that God didn't say you spoke against Just me, he said, when you spoke against Moses, you spoke against me. So this is the caution to someone, to all of us. That just because we might not like the way things are going... Don't forget where God has called you to, and don't forget the leaders God has put over your life. When God talks about authority in the Bible, He talks about family authority, social authority, civil authority. He talks about um, His house ministry authority. And, and authority is very interesting uh, to God. And I know some of you don't like this, but you're going to be okay. That this is, please, please hear this, because I've seen it over and over and over again through my years of ministry. Just because you start gaining knowledge, make sure you don't think that you're above the men and women of God God has called you to. Because there are strong currents sitting right over there. And they have what it takes to help you be who God has called and created you to be. Remember, God has winning on his mind for you. Don't allow spiritual pride to cause you to elevate yourself and begin to think, well, I would do it differently. It would be different. And you need to know it would be different because you would be doing something you're not called and created to do. You know, the Bible says when it comes to presidents and leaders to give them honor, right? But when it comes to men and women of God to give them double honor. Honor Double honor. Now we want, they want that you they want to be kind and they want to be friendly, but from friend to friend, I want to encourage you to be mature enough to still be friends with them, but to know to keep their voice at a different place because it will help you get to your destiny. Ray smile. Remember, God has winning on his mind for us, right? Go back to Ephesians chapter 6. Everybody doing okay? Okay, we can move on now. Go back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Verse 13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of of God. In other words, th- in the Greek, this word means to do it again. This church at Ephesus was—they—they they were very heady. At one time, they had a lot of knowledge and a lot of revelation, and and He's letting them know that at one time you had on your armor. At one time, your mind was thinking in alignment with the Word. At one time, you had your breastplate of righteousness on, and you had your sword out, and you had your shield, and and your shoes were prepped with peace. And, and at one time, He says, "Do it again." Do it again. We've been going and we've been doing and you've been accomplishing a lot of things. But finally, my brethren, you don't forget who you are. Don't forget how to win. Don't forget what you're supposed to have on. In other words, take it up again. So this church, they were going through the motions, but they had laid their armor around them and stood up on them. And he says, so take up your armor again. Put on the armor of God and... Um, In the Amplified Translation, I want to read this, verse 11 and verse 13. It says, Put on God's whole armor, the armor of a heavy armed soldier, which God supplies, which God supplies, that you may be able to successfully, say, successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Verse 13, therefore, put on God's complete armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger and having done all the crisis demands to stand firmly in your place. Now, the word stand comes from a Greek word, steneia, which paints a picture of a a soldier who had his shoulders back and his head held high. Now, when Paul is writing this, I want you to picture That he, because of Paul's assignment, and because Paul, he was on the front lines of the early church, and and he was starting churches, and developing ministers, and he was reaching the world, and expanding the kingdom of God, and and Nero was influenced by Satan to throw Paul into prison, Satan trying to shut Paul down from expanding the kingdom of God, because before the early church... Satan's domain or his dominion was very little touched. It wasn't tampered with hardly at all. Even the first 30 years of Jesus' ministry, do you notice that the devils didn't come up to Jesus and say one word to him? They didn't screech. They didn't halt. They didn't come and fall down. Nothing was said until he came up from the river, the the, the heavens opened, and the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased And the Spirit of God came upon him. So now, when Satan saw him, Satan did not see just an ordinary man. He saw a man who was supplied by God. He saw a man who was equipped by God. So now, whenever he walked into the room or walked through a town, all the devils trembled because they saw something different. See, Satan was very concerned the day that Jesus rose from the dead and and at the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God filled the the apostles and filled the upper room because now Satan is on the outside looking in and he sees this, picture this, he sees the same Spirit... That raised Christ from the dead. The very exact spirit, not just being Jesus. The same spirit that disarmed him. The same spirit that brought him to nothing. The same spirit that grabbed the keys of death, hell, and the grave. The same spirit that took the crown of authority off of him and took it back. He sees the same spirit fill a man created in the image and likeness of God. So now his dominion, his domain that hasn't been messed with is now no longer secured. So now he begins to think, how can I shut this down? I've got to shut this down because now it's not just one. Now on the first day there's 3,000 that are the same spirit is filling them. And he not only sees Jesus with the armor on, now he sees you with the armor on. So now he's flipping smooth out. Ah! Yeah, tripping. <laughs> and so when Paul starts equipping the churches and he starts equipping believers, people just like you and I, people just like you and I, sometimes when we look at the Bible, we think, well, man, they were just superheroes or super, and, and they were to agree, but they're no more super than you. It says we have a better covenant under better promises. And we've got to start seeing ourselves as brethren. We're cut from the same cloth. And so Nero, who is influenced by Satan to try to shut Paul down, throws Paul in prison. And Paul spends most of his time connected to a Roman soldier. And as Paul's writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's looking at a well-trained soldier and he's going from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And he's saying, there's something different about them, but nothing compared to the way God has created you and I. And he starts writing, church, this is what we have. What they have in the natural is what we have in the spiritual spiritual. So when Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit, this is the picture that he's having and he says, put on Put on the whole armor of God, a heavy-armed soldier, which God supplies. And, and, and why is that? So you can stand, stenea, have your shoulders back and your head up high. Because these warriors, these soldiers, they were trained to such a degree that they thought nothing but win. Even when they would retire from the military, they would have to watch them because it was so ingrained into them. They would find them taking the enemy out throughout the streets, even though they weren't enlisted any longer. It's because that's the way they saw them, so that's the way they thought. And church, that's the way we need to see ourselves. That when we get up in the morning, we are thinking when, believing when, speaking when, walking when, talking when, standing, stenea, shoulders back, head up high. Because they were trained that if I can't take out this enemy, I'm backed by a government who will make sure they come down. Church, if you can't do it on your own, you need to know you are backed by a government, the kingdom of Almighty God, that you will take down whatever's in front of you. And this word, Stenea, paints a picture that they were called to a certain area and they would sit and they would watch over that area until it was complete, until their assignment was fulfilled. These soldiers, when they were enlisted into the army, they were told by the, the, the officials, they said, don't you come back and tell me that you lost don't you come back and tell me that the enemy defeated you. I would rather you die on the battlefield than to come back and say that you lost. And he's inspired by the Spirit of God to encourage you and I. Don't you think lose. That you are called to a certain area. You stand with your shoulders back and you stand with your head up high because you got a government that believes in you. you got an almighty God who has equipped you and trained you to win. Look over that area of influence and don't you come back until you've accomplished what you were sent to do. Isn't that what Jesus did in John 17 verse 4? He says, Father, I've glorified you here on the earth and I've completed every single thing you have called me to do. It's not normal for believers to have their shoulders squinched over. Bless God, I just don't know if I'm going to make it. How are you doing, brother? Well, bless God. I'm on this side of the dirt. No, you are created in the image of Almighty God, and you are that container for His power to fill, God looking for you to look over your area of influence, and don't you back off until you complete it. Don't you come home until you've accomplished your assignment. That gift, that dream, that desire, that passion on the inside of you, you've got to let it out. Will the real you come alive? Will the real you report for duty? Shoulders back, head up high? Be who God has called you to be. This is the the authoritative voice that Paul is writing to you and I. Be strong in the Lord. In other words, you stay in the Word. You stay in the presence of God. You stay connected to the right people. And let's be who God has called and created us to be. Finally, finally, if you haven't got what Pastor preached last week or the week after that, the Apostle Paul is saying, finally, you need to get this. You're cut from the same cloth. My brethren, God is looking for a vessel to fill with his strength. And he says, this strength comes from the Lord. And he says, if you've laid down your armor, he's saying, put it on again. Put it on again. If you've, if you've taken off your helmet, he's saying, put it on again. If you laid down your shield, he's saying, pick it up again. Put it on again. This armor, where, where does this armor come from? From God. Let me just touch right here, and then we'll we'll call it good for right now, just for a few minutes, and we'll come back. Please, please stick around. And he says, "This armor comes from God, and I want you to picture this because when the Roman soldiers they came into the army, they they were they were measured. Their head was measured. Their feet was measured. Their their height was measured. So their equipment was specifically for them." Whenever you come into the family of God, God didn't give a one-size-fits-all equipment to you. You have what you need to be who God has called you to be. Their shield of faith, It it was the right height for them. It was the right width for them. Their sword, it fit their hand. Their helmet fit their head. Their shoes fit their feet. Now, picture this. Where did the armor come from? It came from God, the armor of God, the armor of God, the armor from from God. So God is the designer. God is a God of purpose. When God handed this helmet to you, he didn't intend for this helmet not to protect your head. When he handed the breastplate of righteousness to you, he didn't intend for you to get taken out. When he handed you the sword, it wasn't a butter knife. It wasn't dull. It was sharp intending for you to win, God doesn't hand you the armor and just say, I hope you make it. (laughs) Let me know how that works out for you. No, when you come into the family of God, he is so purposeful and he is so intent and he sees your future and he sees your gifts and he sees your family and he sees your calling and he sees everything that you're designed to do and he gives it to you with all the belief, all that he is intending for you to think right, believe right, walk right, talk right, expect right. My brethren, you are cut from a different cloth. It's his armor. So when Satan saw Jesus, he saw God's armor. When he sees you as a born-again child of God, in the family of God, full of the Spirit of God, he don't see you. He sees God's armor, and that's why he gets afraid. That's why he shudders. That's why Satan is no match for you and I when we are strong in the Lord. Now, in ourselves, we will get our tail kicked. But we're not in ourselves. We are in him, and he is in us. And you're designed to win. Win in your family, win in your marriage, win in your calling, win in your assignments.